Stop the insanity. Are you all stressed out? Let's talk about stress. My mom used to say that stress is a killer. And now I say that stress is a killer. I think we have a lot of evidence proving that chronic stress causes many, many disease processes. Chronic stress is a topic that comes up often in my medical practice, especially related to weight loss and how it affects our body's ability to lose weight. If we are chronically stressed, it is very difficult to lose weight. Let's talk about some of the evidence behind what chronic stress does. According to the World Health Organization, the definition of stress is defined as a state of worry or mental tension caused by a difficult situation. Stress is a natural human response that prompts us to address challenges and threats in our life. Everyone experiences stress to some degree. There are actually good stresses, but chronic stress will lead to multiple disease states. Chronic stress has been identified to play a major role in the development and maintenance of obesity, secondary to the increased glucocorticoids, otherwise cortisol, exposure. So chronic cortisol exposure influences obesity. So that's not saying that all obese patients have elevated cortisol levels. There are many factors and conditions that promote sensitivity in individuals to cortisol. An individual may have an altered hormone uptake or altered steroid binding proteins in their system or have genetic predisposition or expression that bind with cortisol and our DNA. Therefore, not all obese patients have elevated cortisol levels, but there has been a lot of research indicating that chronic stress therefore increases certain hormones, one of them being cortisol, leads to obesity. As you know by now, there are many causes of obesity or complexities with obesity, but chronic stress expression and the release of hormones is definitely a factor to consider when trying to treat obesity and talk with your patients or manage your own stress levels to help with weight loss. The definition of stress is a state of worry or mental tension. So really think about yourself. Are you in that state right now? The American Psychological Association published a Stress in America study 2020 that talks about how stress in America is profound right now, that they feel this is a state of emergency as far as a mental health crisis. This study was performed in 2020, which took into account the COVID-19 pandemic. They said it had a substantial impact on our lives of all Americans. According to this study, it said during the COVID-19 pandemic, the death rate was 215,000 in the United States alone. 
That is more than the Americans who died in World War I, which was 116,516. The Vietnam War, which was 58,209. And the Korean War, which was 36,516 combined. That current study says that two out of three adults say that they feel overwhelming stress. That's a huge percentage of our nation that's under chronic stress. If you look beyond the pandemic as a cause of stress, we have other societal stressors such as global warming and climate control. How about mass shootings? Let's not forget the presidential election and politics. What about the opioid and heroin epidemic? Or the rise in suicide rates? Immigration. Widespread sexual harassment and assault that's all over the news. 77% of our nation says that the future of our nation is a significant source of stress for them. Why do some people thrive on stress and others just crumble under stress? Well, I'm going to talk about some reasons why and some coping mechanisms. First, I want to talk about the types of stress. There's good stress with the acute stress response. There's tolerable stress with chronic stress response. And then there's toxic stress. Starting with good stress, it refers to an experience that makes you rise to the challenge. It promotes good self-esteem. Good stress inspires and motivates us. You feel excited, your pulse quickens, your hormones surge, and you're ready to tackle the challenge. This is the fight or flight response. But you do not perceive a threat. That's the difference. Examples of good stress is riding a roller coaster, competing in a game, going on a first date, first day at school, or how about taking your final exam? Our acute stress response, initial hormones that are released, makes us more aware and alert. We have heightened mental acuity. We have an immediate surge of hormones such as cortisol, dopamine, and endorphins. Acute stress activates our immune system and suppresses our hunger. It activates our sympathetic nervous system, releasing epinephrine that stimulates glycogenolysis of the liver, which means pulling sugar out from the molecules and putting sugar into our serum, allowing us to have more energy to defend and react. Good stress should not last a long time, should not be over a prolonged period of time. When we're under good stress, we have that rush of hormones, we get through that activity or that task, and then it's over. Then our body should reset, go back to normal. Now there's tolerable stress. Bad things happen, but you are able to cope. As you have a good support system in place, family, friends, and others, you have good coping skills. This tolerable stress provides uncomfortable feelings and you lack the ability to influence others or have any control over the situation. 
This stress may last a long time. Your initial stress response becomes chronic. It lasts weeks or months. Some examples of tolerable stress are broken bones, a death of a loved one, car accident, relationship issues, maybe a short period of money issues, work-related stress or expectations, or how about a new illness or disease that you were diagnosed with? This is gonna cause some chronic stress. Our chronic stress response results in an overproduction of hormones. Stress becomes chronic and it lasts for weeks and we feel overwhelmed. The hormones that are increased are cortisol and insulin, which when chronically released signal our bodies to increase our fat storage, make us more hungry. We have stronger cravings for the hyper palatable foods, the foods we shouldn't be eating, such as sugar and fat. Chronic exposure to these hormones have just the opposite effect that they do in acute stress response and it actually suppresses our immune system. When we are chronically stressed, it decreases our executive function, our clarity to think. We become more irritable and agitated. We have more anxiety, depression, and mood disorders, and we don't sleep very well. Lastly, I wanna talk about toxic stress. This is when bad things happen and an individual may not have the resources to effectively cope with that stress. Sometimes the way we were raised, past trauma and upbringing has really limited our self-reserves, our resilience for coping, and that gets carried over into our adulthood. So when we get chronically stressed, maybe stress turns toxic and we don't know how to cope with it very well. Then we start having poor impulse control, become overwhelmed, feeling stuck in a situation and can't change it, don't know how to change it, or don't have the power to change it, the ability to change it. You don't have supportive people in your corner to help you. Poor coping strategies lead to drug abuse, alcohol abuse, overeating, or smoking. Some examples of toxic stress are abuse, verbal, physical, sexual, neglect, extreme poverty, household dysfunction, food scarcity, severe sleep deprivation, pain, inflammation, or a hostile environment. I want you to think about yourself. Maybe some people that you know are in a toxic stress situation. If this is you or somebody that you know, do you survive with resilience or survive at a cost? You pay a price. You don't know how to deal with the stress. That's considered adaptation versus maladaptation to stress. Protection versus damage. Do you have plasticity? Can you bend, ebb, and flow with stress and try to be optimistic? Or are you more negative? There are some people that just thrive on stress. They always have chaos, it seems, in their life and they like it that way. Do you know somebody like that? 
I know several people like that, and I have several patients like that, and I don't know how they can manage all the stress in their life without crumbling. The University of Wisconsin-Madison published a study in 2012 studying 28,000 people, asking them how they perceived stress in their life. They were only given two questions. The first question is, during the past 12 months, would you say that you experienced a lot of stress, a moderate amount of stress, relatively little stress, or almost no stress? The second question is, how much effect has the stress had on your health? The options for answering are a lot, some, hardly any, or none. The researchers looked at death rates in this study group over nine years. The results are startling. The study found that having a lot of stress in your life was not linked to premature death, but having a lot of stress in your life and believing that it takes a toll on your health does increase your risk of premature death by 43%. So it's all about perception. The relationship between pressure and performance. Too little stress leaves people laid back and unmotivated to perform at their best. As the deadline approaches, most people rise to the occasion, improve their performance, and have more creativity to get through that task. Then there are those people that at the peak of that pressure or the expectation of that performance, they become overwhelmed with the stress. Some people with those surge of hormones at that peak of pressure have a perception shift. At that point, some people rise to the occasion and do great. Then there's others that at that point they move from being a person in control of the situation to someone that's at the mercy of external factors or forces. Left long enough, burnout, mental and physical damage will likely occur. Those people have a tendency to focus on the stress and the impact that it's having rather than dealing with it and getting back to the healthy level of stress to let them perform at their best. Being optimistic. If you're an optimistic person, you focus on the positive and aren't dragged down by the negative things that happen or tend to not look for meaning behind the negative things. People with anxiety focus their attention on what's making them anxious in the first place, which becomes a vicious cycle. If you look out for the things that make you feel bad, you're going to find the things that make you feel bad and increase your anxiety. If you feel like a victim of stress, you are less likely to do anything about it. If you accept stress as a natural part of life, you're more likely to manage and thrive on it. Now I want to talk about what chronic stress really does to us. It affects our nervous system our immune system, our metabolic hormones, all resulting in molecular change. We become leptin resistant, our ghrelin levels go up, making us more hungry. Ghrelin growling for hunger, wanting food. Our neuropeptide Y is a peptide that stimulates lipogenesis or conversion of sugar, like glucose, 
into our fat cells. Neuropeptide Y reduces the sensitivity of the brain to leptin and insulin, causing us to become insulin resistant. Therefore, when we check our insulin levels, they're high. Increase in cortisol and insulin hormones also signal our body to store fat. They're best friends. Insulin and cortisol, they love each other and they want to go right into your fat cell. Our gut microbiome decreases its healthy bacteria as an immune response. Chronic elevated cortisol can trigger degranulation of mast cells in specific organs, eliciting asthma, eczema, and immune response, also leading us to have a higher propensity to develop autoimmune disorders such as lupus and Graves' disease. We have more allergic reactions. I've had patients come see me and they have broke out in a rash or itching like crazy, really no cause, but they were under an extreme amount of stress. They call that stress urticaria. Thank you to our immune system for kicking in and sending that response in those mast cells. Our endocrine system is affected by decreasing our growth hormone and our thyroid hormones, leading to loss of muscle mass, loss of bone mass, and increase in visceral fat accumulation. We have neuropeptides and catecholamines that are released in chronic stress, affecting our central nervous system and our peripheral nervous system, causing us to feel stress brain. We just have that brain fog, we can't focus. Chronic stress and chronic levels of elevated cortisol mimic the disease called Cushing's syndrome. They've done lots of studies to compare chronic stress and cortisol levels in comparison to people with Cushing's syndrome, and it's very similar. This elevation of cortisol really is the culprit. How do we measure cortisol? Well, we can measure it in serum, saliva, and urine. These measurements are hard to interpret for subtle hypercortisolism that happens in chronic stress related to obesity. Our cortisol levels fluctuate with our circadian rhythm. We release cortisol in a pulsatile fashion and it has a very short half-life in our plasma. We have daily variations due to changing of the circumstances that we're in, such as acute stress. Another measurement of cortisol is scalp hair analysis, which seems to provide more information, more accurate information. In review of all the hormones and immune system changes and nervous system changes related to chronic stress, I think the saying that stress is a killer is pretty accurate. Now let's talk about obesity and stress. Obesity in and of itself is stressful. It's physically stressful and mentally stressful, secondary to weight stigma, prejudice, negative attitudes towards the obese person, and weight discrimination. Many obese patients have fatty liver disease which plays a role in the hepatic enzyme activation to actually clear cortisol. 
So this maladaptive coping related to obesity is a vicious cycle. Stress begets obesity, obesity begets stress, and so on. It's a horrible negative feedback loop. Maybe that is why our obesity rates remain so high today. There are other causes of obesity, but chronic stress has been proven to play a very major role. When we are stressed, do you overthink things? Do you overanalyze the situation? Sometimes I do that. Like I perseverate on the topic. Oh, I should have said this or I should have done that. <laughs> Dwelling on the same thought or scenario repeatedly can lead to even more stress. Obsessing about something can make it difficult to focus on the present moment, causing us to miss out on important experiences and opportunities. It can become paralyzing when we overanalyze the situation. It drains our energy and can become very counterproductive. Is it all bad news? Well, I have some good news. There is some ways that we can reduce our stress. How do we manage stress appropriately? First off, stop overthinking. Start doing. Make a list of pros and cons so you're not overanalyzing a situation. If there are more pros, believe in yourself and make a decision. Gain more experience. Some other things we could do is eating a lower glycemic index type foods. That means decrease sugar and fat. Eat healthy fats and take omega-3 fatty acids. Decrease our coffee or our caffeine intake. Let's take steps to get a better night's sleep, quality sleep. When we're stressed, we don't sleep well. Trying to adopt good sleep hygiene. Go to bed at a regular time every night. Strive to get seven to eight hours of sleep if possible. Eliminate distractions such as television or computers or your smartphone. Begin winding down about an hour or two before you want to actually go to sleep by doing some calming activities. Listen to some music. Read an enjoyable book. Take a soothing bath. Practice relaxation techniques and breathing. Avoid eating heavy meals late at night. Avoid intensive exercise right before bedtime. Some of the other things that we could do to help eliminate or decrease our stress. There is evidence to promote cold water shower therapy, which will increase our brown fat by promoting our mitochondrial production. Cold showers are doing the polar plunge. I live in Homer, Alaska, and our ocean is cold. I have some patients that actually do this. They go plunging every day. <laughs> there is literature supporting that cold showers or plunging will reduce inflammation, relieve pain, improve circulation, lower our stress levels, and reduce muscle soreness and fatigue. How about something not so drastic? <laughs> like smiling or laughing. Connect with others, holding hands. Tap into your support system. That's really important to help us manage our stress. You know, I'm gonna tell you a funny story. I told a patient to help decrease her stress just sitting on the couch, holding somebody's hand would help release some 
feel-good hormones. And she told me, she says, well, you better like the person that you're holding hands with. <laughs> I said, absolutely, you should. Telling someone a joke or simply smiling. You know, when we see someone smile, we smile back. How about plant or pet therapy? Petting our dogs, our cats, talking to our plants, watering our plants, working in the garden. I love that. That's one of my all-time favorites. I go out and pull weeds, I turn on the music, and that is my stress reduction. There's yoga and meditation and controlled breathing. So let's do one thing right now. I want you to stop. Hopefully you're not driving. Stop what you're doing. Let's practice controlled breathing. Six seconds in and six seconds out. Take a minute and try to do it. How do you feel now that you've done that? That really helps. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to go into a meditation pose or anything like that. Simply controlled breathing will help reduce your heart rate, release feel-good hormones, and reduce your stress hormones. Let's trigger the artistic side of our brain with some art or music, singing, puzzles, sewing, knitting, crocheting. How about blowing bubbles? It's hard to be stressed out when you're blowing bubbles, right? Learn to say no, <laughs> delegate, decrease your to-do list, stop making lists, set limits. Are you in a situation such as trying to keep the peace to avoid conflict, maybe within your household or within your workplace. This actually causes more internal stress when we try to keep the peace. It causes more internal conflict, increases our stress. This increases our anger and resentment. Journaling and counseling, these are so important. I have people journal all the time. Think positive. Have positive self-talk. It's okay to be proud of yourself. It's okay to say out loud, yes, I did it. I accomplished it. It actually releases feel-good hormones. Try to be optimistic. Accepting that stress is a natural part of life. Exercise. Take a beach or a park walk. Not intensive exercise, because intensive exercise actually causes stress, releases stress hormones. That's not the point of exercising in this situation. Just walking, simple walking. Set small obtainable goals, except there are things that we cannot control. If you're a control freak, you gotta let it go. You gotta realize that there are just some things in life that we cannot control. Lastly, how about plan a do-nothing day? Absolutely do nothing. Hang out on the couch, work on a puzzle, sit in the hot tub, take a long walk, sleep in, take a nap, read an awesome book, and don't feel guilty about it. Don't think about or perseverate on all the things that you should be doing. Our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And it is okay to take time out for our mental well-being. Okay, so let's recap all the things we learned about. So we learned that stress truly 
I think, could become a killer if we don't get it managed and have it under control. There are three types of stress, the good stuff, the tolerable stuff, and the toxic stuff. Now with the understanding that chronic stress affects our nervous system, our immune system, our metabolic hormones, resulting with molecular changes in our body, none of it's good. Realizing that obesity in and of itself is stressful, a vicious negative feedback loop that we need to try to break that cycle. So we have some good tools in our tool chest to really try to work on our chronic stress management. This was another piece of the puzzle. Stress may play a major role in the development and maintenance of obesity. With that, please try to identify if you are under chronic stress or ask your patients if they are under chronic stress and help them. Give them those tools in the tool chest to help decrease our stress. Also, improve our mental well-being. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and more to come.